Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Nice District, Rogers Place, the Edmonton Oilers, the San Jose Sharks tonight. Just before we get to Kevin Kerr's, Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50-plus years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Royal Pizza, it's old-school big-boy pizza. Everything's real at Royal. Kevin Kerr's joins us right now. He writes for The Athletic. He's covered the Sharks for a number of years Uh Used to, I don't know, do you, Kevin. You still uh, welcome back to the show. Do you uh, do you still yeah. work on the uh, on the TV broadcast as well? No, no, not anymore. They uh, they a they couple they, NHL Network things here and there. They gassed me off TV. So. They got well. It's that's <laughs> one, one thing. One, the one thing I'll say. I mean, as a, as a television. Uh, I guess analyst type on those NBC shows, and that's the the rights holder in the, the San Jose market. Uh, you were at times brutally honest in your assessment, and that was during periods in which the Sharks had really good teams. I actually have a theory that when you're around a team on a day to day basis, it's easier to be more critical when the team's playing well than when the team's in a crapper. Right? It's now slightly different role when you work for the the actual team as a broadcaster. And full disclosure, I do. Uh, you know, I'm sort of like the Knicks, like my attitude's like Nick Saban, right? When Nick's team's down, he's pumping them up a bit. But when they're kicking the crap out of a team 45 nothing, and a guy takes a UR penalty, he's in that guy's grill. Uh, but what's this experience this year been like for you, given the, the Sharks have had so much consistency and success over the last two decades? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've talked about this with other writers. I, it, the hardest team to probably cover is, is a bad team that's supposed to be good, right? Because nobody's happy, and everyone wants to know what's going on, and everyone's looking over their shoulder at, uh, you know, at least in, you know, maybe the coaching staff in the front office, like, you know, who's who's to blame for all this, right? Um, it, it's a little bit different than if you're covering a bad team that's supposed to be bad. Well, it's like, okay, well, we all figured we'd be here, and you know, if it's a bad team, you would think they've got some first-round picks in the in the hopper. You know, maybe a chance at the first overall pick or, or some good prospects. Well, you know, this, this team—it's it, a tough time, top to bottom, in the entire organization. It's not just on the ice and a team that's already basically out of the playoffs, but you know, they don't have their first overall pick because that went to Ottawa in the Carlson trade. Um, their prospect pool right now is pretty thin. Um, I, I know on our website, our prospects guy had him ranked 25th out of 31. So, you know, there aren't any, uh, there isn't a whole cavalry of young players coming. There could be a couple guys that, that come up and, and earn jobs as role players, but I don't think there's any game breakers in, in there. Um, so it's a tough time. And, you know, just from my perspective, obviously it, it's, it's, it's it's not not fun being around a, a team that's losing a lot, but uh, you know I, I I try to be fair in, in, in the coverage, and it's been uh, it's been pretty ugly for the last little while. Now you know that having said that, they ha- they have done a couple be- things better since Bob Budner took over. Um, the goaltending's been solidified a little bit with Aaron Dell. 
Um, they played a more defensive style. Um, and, you know, it looked like they were at least playing a little bit more consistent, and then Logan Couture and Thomas Hurdle both get hurt, and that pretty much wipes out the chances. Yeah. Uh, Brian Burke was just on, uh, and in his, and I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but paraphrasing, because uh, I asked him about, you know, Pavelski leaving the Sharks organization. Was that guy the lifeblood of the team? And Brian goes, well, you know, you wonder a bit about what's going on in the room there when they give long-term contract extensions seven years to Evander Kane and eight years to Eric Carlson, and those guys get paid, and they let a heart and soul guy uh, go like Joe Pavelski. I'd like to get your take on that, Kevin. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, Joe Pavelski was was the heartbeat of the team, and you only have to go back to Game 7 of the first round last year when he smacks his head on the ice and, and he's bleeding and he gets carried off by a couple teammates, and they're, you know, right away they score four straight goals. I mean, that, that that's inspired to play for your leader. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. You can t- talk about Corsi and Fenwick and shot attempts and all that. No, the Sharks won that game because they wanted to win it for Joe Pavelski because he got carried off of the ice. And, you know, he was the guy, I think, that was tying a lot of those big personalities together. Um, I think he was a guy that really helped to keep Brent Burns' head on straight. Burns has had a very inconsistent season. Um, and, you know, you have other guys like Evander Kane, like Eric Carlson now, um, like Joe Thornton. There's a lot of big personalities in that room, and I do think they miss a guy like Joe Pavelski. And that's nothing against Logan Couture. Um, I think Logan's a fine captain. I think he was easily the right choice to be captain of this team with Pavelski moving on. But, you know, you do wonder if that's had sort of an effect uh, uh, of Pavelski leaving and if maybe Doug Wilson underrated that, um, you know, that aspect of what Pavelski brought. Because, you know, Wilson's been talking about the winning culture around here for years, and, and that was an actual thing. I, I, I think there was some validity to that. But I think Joe Pavelski was really the head of the snake when it came to that winning culture, and now that he's gone, they're feeling the effects of it. Uh, you mentioned the goaltending's been solidified, Aaron Dell. Martin Jones had four straight years of 60-plus appearances for the San Jose Sharks. He is in year number two of a six-year deal at $5.75 million. Is this guy salvageable, mm-hmm. in your opinion? Oh, geez, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> it, he, he has just has not looked good at all. Um, and it obviously goes back to last season, too, where, where he had a sub-900 save percentage throughout the course of the year, and now we're in the second year of that. So, um, you know, I'd like to do a little bit of research on that. How many goalies have had two straight poor seasons and then come back and kind of found themselves again. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. But, you know, Jones is a guy that just looks broken right now. It doesn't look like it's anything that's going to be fixed anytime soon. You know, the Sharks changed, as you and I talked about this morning, the Sharks changed their goalie coach. And, um, you know, it seemed to have an effect on Aaron Dell, but it hasn't had an effect on Martin Jones. And, and that's Evgeny Nabokov is working with the goalies now. So, you know, from Aaron Dell's perspective, he, you know, one of Bugner's, I think, best moves, I think probably his best move was giving Dell a little bit more of an opportunity to play more regularly. Uh, you know, Dell always seemed to be on a pretty short leash with Pete DeBoer, and, and, and Dell has even talked about that, is that he never really knew when he was going to play or when he wasn't going to play, and um, Bob's come in. And, you know, one of the first things that Bob told us uh, in the media was that the goaltending, it's an open spot now. You know, he's going to rotate guys, and whoever's playing better is going to get more playing time, and Aaron Dell took advantage of that opportunity, and he's been the better goalie. And it's, you know, it was, it's, uh, it was a no-brainer that Dell was going to start again tonight after playing well in in Calgary, you know, he held the Sharks in it there in the first period before they kind of came around. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what you do with Martin Jones now. That might be Doug Wilson's biggest project in the offseason. Do you buy him out and just eat that cap hit for the next eight years? Or, wow. You know, I, I, I can't see any situation in which that contract is tradable. Um, 
or you know, do you bury him in the minors and look for for some other uh, you know maybe veteran to bring in as as your number one or at least someone to compete with Dell? But you know, Dell's a UFA himself, so we'll see what happens with him at the deadline, and then maybe we'll get a clearer picture of what they plan on doing. Yeah, well, uh, we're joined by Kevin Kurz from the Athletic. I mean. You look at the forwards, and, and obviously the, the Couture hurdle double whammy. I mean, that's just a killer. But they've got, I mean, you know, hurdles in year two of a four-year deal. Couture, year one of an eight-year deal. Uh, Meyer, year one of a f- uh, four-year deal. And then Evander Kane, you know, year two of a seven-year deal. I'm not quite as big on Kane as I am on the other three guys. But you look at those four core forwards, I'd say those are very livable contracts. You know where I'm going next. Mm-hmm. Defense. Three defensemen, uh, Carlson, 29, now making $11.5 million. Burns in year number three of an eight-year deal at $8 million. Vlasic is shut down defenseman uh, on an eight-year deal at $7 million. Could this be a predicament? Carlson's 29, Vlasic's 32, Burns 34. Moving forward here, is there an inevitable problem that's going to occur down the road with this 3-0 of uh, D-man that are making, you know, a combined $27 million. Yeah, I mean, you know, Doug Wilson has said that he plans on getting his team back in the playoffs next season. There, there's no rebuild coming. And, um, you know, I, it's an ambitious plan to be sure, considering the state of the rest of the organization. I think the only way that he can really do that is if he does move out one of those contracts. And, you know, Carlson's not going anywhere in the first year of his deal. But, you know, I do wonder if Burns, uh, you know, who has a limited no-trade clause, um, is someone that might be open to moving or, or someone that Doug could, could, could move. Because to me, that's probably the most logical uh, contract to move if you're going to try to move one of these big salaries and free up some salary cap space. Um, to me, it's Burns. And, you know, does he want to go, does he want to go somewhere else to maybe have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, he, he, he certainly isn't going to tell us one way or the other. So, um, you know, but that wouldn't be an easy deal to move either. Like, like you said, I mean, Burns turns 35 in March, so um, you know it's a pretty expensive deal. But he still has moments where he's he's out. You know, he's, he's still a pretty good offensive defenseman when he's on his game. Um, and you know, I, I don't know how much interest there would be out there uh, for him, but I, I would think there'd be enough that you know, if, if he didn't have that limited no trade clause, I would think that would be a lot more likely. Um, but he does have it. I don't know the three teams in which he'd be willing to accept a trade to. But, um, you know, that, that to me is the likeliest big contract to move if Doug can find a way to move one of these guys. All right. So, Kevin, they're in the position they're in. Of the four UFAs, Brendan Dillon, Melker Carlson, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, who's the most likely to get traded? Well, Dillon's just pretty much, I think, as good as gone at this point. Um you know, not not just because I think there'd be a lot of interest in there in him, but because if you look at the Sharks, they, they do have another, they do have a couple other left-handed D-men that I think could could fill that void and 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 redeem Simic and and Mario Ferraro, who's a rookie who's come up and he's been pretty good. So, um, you know, I I, I can't imagine Brendan Dillon's going to be here past the deadline. You know, Melker Carlson. I guess you could trade him, but I don't think you're going to get a whole lot for him other than maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. Frankly, I think the way the Sharks' salary structure is right now, they might be better off just re-signing Melker. Okay. Um, and then, you know, Thornton and Marlowe, we'll see. They both, I asked them both on 
I think it was the first day after the bye week or all-star break on the 26th of January, you know, would you be willing to, you know, or would would you leave the door open to going somewhere else or be willing to go somewhere else if the Sharks are, are out of the playoffs here? And neither of them said no. Um, both of them, the, the, the message was essentially, well, I'd have to think about that. So, um, but, you know, I, I think Thornton tomorrow still actually could have value to, to a number of playoff teams. So if they want to go somewhere, I think – um, Doug Wilson would work with them to try to get them to a contender. All right, final question for Kevin Kurz from The Athletic. Uh, obviously, San Francisco and San Jose, a big part of that very successful entity right now. Who's been the best of sort of the unheralded, you know, like they don't have, you know, we're not talking about top five overall picks going into San Jose to play here, but of the young guys, who's kind of caught your eye that's come up so far this season? Oh, geez. Yeah, one of the biggest problems is that the Sharks expected their young guys to have more of an impact this season, and they haven't. But, you know, we, we've seen guys come up and, and, and have flashes of, of where they're good players. Noah Gregor was around earlier. Um, obviously, we know his uh, his uncle Jason here in Edmonton. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ed Collin, his, his, uh, dad, his dad Collin was a heck of a WHL player and won a national oh, title, yeah. beating the Alberta Golden Bears back in – uh, 1993 in the uh, national semifinal right. that year with Acadia. Yeah. Well, he's a guy, you know, he's in the system. Um, you know, he's got a lot of tools. I think, you know, Pete DeBoer, before he got fired, said he thinks he's an NHL player. Uh, Ferraro's a rookie. He's playing on his offside right now um, on the third defense pair. But I think in a perfect world, they get him back on the left side, maybe maybe when Stillen gets traded. Um you know, but in, in terms of, of young guys coming up, I mean, that's what this team, I think, is lacking right now. And we're seeing an effect of some, you know, missteps in early rounds in the earlier part of the 2010s or the middle part of the 2010s, you know, 2013, 14, 15, 16. I think the Sharks could have made, uh, you know, had they drafted better in the first two rounds over those you know those years we we we'd see uh more of an impact this year so you know they got to find uh they got to find some talent so maybe they can move some of these guys out and find some prospects or, or stockpile some picks to try to you know rebuild their system a little bit a little bit different world eh the potential of san jose la and anaheim missing the playoffs and vancouver calgary and edmonton getting in yeah yeah Yep, figured it was you know only a matter of time before that would kind of cycle back that way. Right? Well, it should it should work. I I will say this, Kevin. I mean, I don't think the Sharks are going to have a challenge getting guys to go there as free agents. Players love going there, so that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that but will... they got to have the money too. And that's so. and there lies the rub. Kevin, awesome stuff. Yeah. I I know you're enjoying the JW Marriott. So uh, nice nice yeah, walkable yeah. distance. Uh, thank you for taking time to join us here in Orders now. All right, no problem, Bob. Take care. You bet. That's Kevin Kurz joining us from The Athletic out of uh, San Jose. It is 1.48 in Edmonton. When we come back, this day in order's history, not a surprise. It's connected to the great one, Wayne Gretzky. And we'll talk uh, to a guy who's playing his first NHL game tonight, Tyler Benson, when we return in order's now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Chad. There were some uh, German reporters in the building today interviewing Leon Dreisaitl. I don't think they were talking about Bayern Munich. Actually, Leon's favorite team is Cologne, which I, I, don't, I don't even know if Cologne's in the first division uh, in the uh, 
Bundesliga. Anyhow, this is, they still call it that? Who knows? 151 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Leon Dreisettle leading the NHL with 83 points. Uh, McDavid second at 79. Pasternak third at 75. McKinnon fourth at 73. And Panarin fifth at 71. Uh, McKinnon and Panarin both have played 51 games. Pasta has played 55. Uh, McDavid and Dreisettle 53. The Oilers 28, 19, and 6 hosting the San Jose Sharks, 23, 27, and 4. You heard Reed Wilkins mention this early in the show today. Sharks just 8, 15, and 3 last 26 games and playing without their top two centers, Logan Couture and Tomash Hurdle. Hurdle and Couture have always played well against the Edmonton Oilers. Tonight will be the NHL debut of Tyler Benson. We've waited a long time for this. Uh, let's get to that conversation. All right, Tyler, first of all, how excited are you for the uh, opportunity tonight? And is it a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you're called up and you got a lot of attention today, obviously, from the local media. It's all part of it. But uh, what's going through your uh, mind as you get ready for your first NHL game? I'm just excited. I mean, I've been here for a little bit of time getting to know the guys. So to be able to join them on the ice, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's been an interesting journey for you, one that's sort of taken some different turns along the way. You had some challenges in Vancouver. Can you speak to having overcome those sort of things and the setbacks along the way and maybe how that made you want it more? Yeah, I know it was definitely some hard times in junior, but uh, still enjoyed it. Uh, but to be able to overcome that adversity and uh, not know what was going to happen after that uh, definitely makes this moment a little more special. How important was off-season training for you the last couple of years? Yeah, it's been huge for me. I mean, uh, during my junior career, I wasn't able to train in the off-season very much, so these past few years, uh, I just feel a lot better on the ice. I feel a lot more comfortable, and uh, it's definitely helped me get to this point. Are you a different player now maybe than you were even three years ago? Yeah, for sure I think so. I think uh, I'm a little more confident with everything, uh, just just a stronger player on the ice. So I think uh, these past few years have been good for my development, and I feel a lot better. You've spent, uh, you know, basically played. I've missed a game the last couple of years. Uh, you've seen a guy like Kyler Yamamoto get recalled and impact the team. Can you look to that as a bit of a source of inspiration and say, you know what, I played with Kyler? and you know what I'm confident in my abilities and I think I can make an impact too yeah for sure I mean uh, to be able to do what Kyler's done uh, that'd be unreal but uh, right now I'm just trying to come in and uh, help the team as much as I can they've been playing really hard lately so I just want to do my part like that the Oilers organization struggled to develop some prospects for a number of years what has Jay Woodcroft done over the course of the last couple of years that's maybe changed the environment down there and, and how did maybe some of the core veterans help that out as well I think Jay just gives us a lot of confidence he lets us play our own game, uh, but uh, definitely within the system, but he lets us be confident with the puck. If you make mistakes, he, he's there for you to help you, and uh, he, he knows that, so he's helped us out, and then the veterans there, uh, we, had a lot, we had a young team last year and even this year, so the veterans there, uh, Keegan Lowe, Brad Malone, uh, the, a lot of guys there, they've, they've all helped us get to this point. And Tyler, how many friends and family are going to have at tonight's game? I'm not too sure uh, exactly how many, but I'm sure there's going to be quite a few out there tonight. All right, there you have it. Uh, that is Tyler Benson. Cole Benson, by the way, his brother that played for the Edmonton Oil Kings is now working in Edmonton, graduating from the University of Western Ontario. Uh, Tyler's dad is Kevin Benson. Used to see him uh, over the years, uh, for sure, uh, at various uh, hockey rinks around the city. Let's get to this day in Oilers history, brought to you by New West Travel. Join Oilers now on a great road trip. The Oilers and the Hawks in March. We got three spots left. Call New West Travel or visit New West Travel 
NHL.com. What do you got, Brendan Escott? Back in 1981, Wayne Gretzky scored a natural hat trick, the fourth of his career, and added three assists for his 100th point of the season. Second straight year he did that as the Oilers won 10-4 over the visiting Winnipeg Jets. There you go. That's this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Join Oilers now on a great road trip. Oilers and the Hawks in Chicago. Just a couple spots left. NewWestTravel.com. Coming up tomorrow for the River Cree Resort Casino. Elliot Friedman. For the horses and horse racing in Alberta, the 7,000 men and women working in Alberta's horse racing and breeding industry. Mark Spector. The Red Deer Rebels are at Rogers Place tomorrow night. Brent Sutter, their owner, general manager, and head coach will join us on tomorrow's show as well. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Kerry McCarthy, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jayla and I. I'll rejoin you at 6 with Reed, Rob, and Jack. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.